Cable news, noisy, boring, out of touch. That's why Salem News Channel is different. We keep you in the know. Streaming 24-7 for free. Home to the greatest collection of conservative voices like Dennis Prager, Jay Sekulow, Mike Gallagher, and more. Salem News Channel is unfiltered and unapologetic. Watch anytime, on any screen at snc.tv and local now channel 525 today on ring of truth with pastor dan sexton we no grieving no mourning in the new jerusalem just think about that all of us here probably have been affected by death in some way We've had a loved one die and and when god you know made the first heaven and the first earth the, the original creation with adam and eve in the garden He created man to live for eternity with him in the garden. But then man sinned and rebelled, and that's what brought death into the world. But death wasn't part of the original design. Your brain is programmed to expect things to come to an end. Each day comes to a close. A person's life ends in death. There is much grieving that happens here on earth with a finality that seems like it wasn't meant to be. Today, Pastor Dan reminds you that death and sin weren't in the original plan. Mankind took what was perfect and pure and allowed sin to tarnish all that was beautiful. But God has a plan to restore all that was meant to be. Isn't that exciting to think about? Heaven and eternity have no end. Now here's Pastor Dan in the book of Revelation chapter 21 for today's edition of Ring of Truth. Well, with us in the new Jerusalem for all eternity, forever and ever, world without end, we'll be with God. He'll be with us. That's why the new Jerusalem is so breathtaking to John. Because God's there. God's tabernacle is there. God's home is there. And we're going to live in that city with God. That's what makes it so glorious and so wonderful and so splendid is that we get to be with God for all eternity. Verse 4 says, and God, look at verse 4, and God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There shall be no more death, nor sorrow, nor crying. There shall be no more pain, for the former things have passed away. These are all the effects of the fall. Recorded back in Genesis chapter 3. In the new Jerusalem, all of the effects of the fall are removed. They're gone. There will be no more death. We can't even imagine what that's like. There'll be no more death. You know, we're told that when Adam sinned, death entered into the world. And that death is the result of of just sin in the world, the fall. There will be no sin in the new Jerusalem and there will be no more death. People won't die. There'll be no sorrow, grieving. There'll be no grieving, no mourning in the new Jerusalem. Just think about that. 
all of us here probably have been affected by death in some way. We've had a loved one die. And, and when God you know, made the first heaven and the first earth, the, the original creation with Adam and Eve in the garden, he created man to live for eternity with him in the garden. But then man sinned and rebelled. And that's what brought death into the world. But death wasn't part of the original design. And now when we experience death, the death of a loved one, we don't have a file for that. And we don't have a place to to put that in our hearts and in our minds. We deal with it. We get through it. Life goes on. But we don't don't really have a way to deal with it. It's just, there's no place for it. This wasn't part of the original plan. And here now, at the end, God creates this new earth. And in this new earth, there's no more death. There's no more mourning. There's no more grieving. There's no more sorrow. There's no more crying. And the word crying here, it means crying out. We're not going to cry out in the new Jerusalem. No crying out to God. There'll be no more pain in the new Jerusalem. Physical pain. Emotional pain. These are all experiences from this world, but they're not going to be part of the new world. They're not going to be part of the new earth. That's why, you know, the Apostle Paul said heaven is far better than this world. It's far better. It's far better because there's no death. There's no sorrow. There's no crying out. There's no pain. All of that's part of this world, but it's not part of that world. And the new earth, all of that will be gone forever. And look at verse four again. It says God will wipe away. Every tear from our eyes and the new earth. Now, the question is, why are we crying? We're in heaven. Why are we crying? I don't know. The Bible doesn't tell us. It could be tears of joy. You know, it says in the Psalms, in his presence is fullness of joy. And, and you know, we could be overwhelmed by seeing God and seeing Jesus Christ and experiencing his grace and his love. And his, and his goodness towards us. And we're just overwhelmed emotionally. I mean, you've been overwhelmed emotionally before. Maybe, maybe we're just overwhelmed with joy. And that's why we're crying. I don't know. But it says that he's going to wipe away all our tears. Now, parents wipe away their children's tears when they're crying. But usually when you become an adult, <laughs> once you get older, you wipe away your own tears. You know, when you think about it, if you're an adult, when was the last time somebody wiped away your tears? probably been a long time. But when we're there, the new Jerusalem, and, and we're, we're going to see Jesus face to face, and we're going to have this, uh, this relationship with him and this, this closeness with him, where Jesus will wipe away our tears from our face. I mean, what, what's that going to be like? To have Jesus put his you know, nail-pierced hand on your cheek and wipe away your tears. Then he who sat on the throne said, Behold, look, I make all things new. And he said to me, Write, for these words are true and faithful. We are certain of this future. We're certain of this new earth that will be free from sin and death and sorrow and pain Because God is true and faithful and his word is true and faithful. Because God is the one who's telling us this. So we we trust it. We know it will come to pass. We know that this is our future as believers. Look at verse 6. And he said to me, 
it is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. God says here, it is done. God has finished his eternal purpose for mankind. And God's eternal purpose for mankind was for man to dwell with God forever and ever. That was the plan. That was the plan back in Genesis and the Garden of Eden for God and man to dwell together in a close relationship and in fellowship together. But sin broke the relationship. And now here in the new earth, God finally brings it together where man and God dwell together forever and ever, never to be separated again. And so God says, it's done. This is what I've wanted all along. This is how I've wanted it to be since the garden. And now finally, it's done. And it can't be undone at this point. It's done. I'm the alpha, the omega, the beginning and the end. He began the relationship. He ends the relationship. He brings it to the finish here on the new earth. Look what he says now in the second half of verse six. I will give of the fountain of the water of life freely to him who thirsts. This is in the new earth. And in the new earth, he says, anyone who is thirsty, he will give of the fountain of life. Freely to the person who thirsts, those who are thirsty and, and, and come to Jesus Christ or go to Jesus Christ to satisfy that thirst, he will give them life freely. Now, before you were a believer, before I was a believer, uh, how many wells did we did we drink from? To try to satisfy our thirst and our emptiness, right? There's so many wells we went to thinking that this will satisfy me. This will make me happy. This is what I'm looking for. And it left us unsatisfied. And it left us uh, empty. And it left us longing for something more. We were still thirsty. It's only Jesus Christ who satisfies the thirst of the soul. And he says here, if you come to me, I'll, I'll give you the water of life freely. To those who are thirsty. We'll return to Pastor Dan's message in just a moment. First, Pastor Dan would like to tell you about the new Calvary Chapel Ellicott City app. We recently launched an app for our church and we're really excited about it. It's designed to keep you connected to our radio ministry, Ring of Truth, as well as to our church, Calvary Chapel. And get this, we have over 1,200 sermons on the app. The app is super convenient, it's easy to use, and allows you to listen to Bible studies anytime, anywhere. So download the app right now, search for Calvary Chapel, Ellicott City in your app store, or just follow the links on our website at calvaryec.com. What a great way to stay connected to Scripture. Now, back to today's message on Ring of Truth. Now, there's a beautiful picture of this in chapter 4 of John, if you want to Turn there with me. We'll look at it together. Uh, John chapter 4. John chapter 4. And this is when Jesus uh, decides to go through Samaria, which normally they would go around Samaria. But he, he goes through Samaria purposely because he wants to minister to one person living in Samaria. He cares about the individual. Now go out of the way for a single person. And verse 5, so he came to a city of Samaria, which is called Sychar, 
near the plot of ground that Jacob gave to his son Joseph. Now Jacob's well was there. Jesus, therefore, being wearied from his journey, sat thus by the well. It was about the sixth hour, which is the middle of the day. It's the hottest part of the day. A woman of Samaria came to draw water. Now, in that time, you drew water from a well at two times in the day, early in the morning or in the evening, the cooler parts of the day. You never went to a well to get water in the middle of the day, the hottest part of the day. But this woman, as we're going to see, she's she's purposely going to the well in the middle of the day because nobody else is going to be there. She doesn't want to encounter other women from the town at this well. So she goes in the middle of the day to draw water. And Jesus said to her, give me a drink. For his disciples had gone away into the city to buy food. And then the woman of Samaria said to him, How is it that you, being a Jew, ask a drink from me, a Samaritan woman? For Jews have no dealings with Samaritans. There was uh, racial tension between the two groups, and Jews and Samaritans didn't, didn't interact with each other. And Jesus answered and said to her, If you knew the gift of God and who it is who says to you, Give me a drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you Living water, you know, life-giving water, refreshing water. Well, water is not refreshing. The woman said to him, Sir, you have nothing to draw with, and the well is deep. Where then do you get that living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob, who gave us this well and drank from it himself, as well as his sons and his livestock? Jesus answered and said to her, Whoever drinks of this water will thirst again But whoever drinks of the water that I shall give him will never thirst. But the water that I shall give him will become in him a fountain of water springing up into everlasting life. And the woman said to him, Sir, well, then give me this water that I may not thirst nor come here to draw. And Jesus, look at just how uh, gentle he is, but he's he confronts the sin. Jesus said to her. Go call your husband. Have him come here. And the woman answered and said, well, I have no husband. I'm not married. And Jesus said to her, you have well said, I have no husband for you have had five husbands. She's been married five times. And the one whom you now have is not your husband in that you spoke truly. She's been married five times and she's living with a guy right now. What well is she drinking from? Relationships. She's looking to find satisfaction and meaning in her life from men. And so she's gone from relationship to relationship to relationship, and each one has left her unsatisfied. And now she's shacking up with some guy that she's not even married to. And when Jesus said that to her, look at verse 19, the woman said to him, Sir, I perceive you are a prophet. And notice what she does now. She changes the subject. He's touched a nerve, right? She brings up kind of like this theological debate, right? Our fathers worshipped on this mountain, and you Jews say that in Jerusalem is the place where one ought to worship. You know, she changes the subject here. Jesus said to her, woman, believe me, the hour is coming when you will neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem worship the Father. You worship what you do not know. We know what we worship, for salvation is of the Jews. You know, Jesus answers her, her theological question here. But the hour is coming and now is when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. 
For the Father is seeking such to worship him. God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. And the woman said to him, I know that Messiah is coming, who is called Christ. And when he comes, he will tell us all things. And Jesus said to her, I who speak to you am he. I'm the Messiah. I'm the Christ. And at this point in verse 27 now, uh, the disciples come back and they marvel that Jesus is talking to a Samaritan woman. But look at what verse 28 says. The woman then left her water pot. That's the whole reason she went out to the well, was to get water. She leaves her water pot and went her way into the city. And notice what it says. And she said to the men, this is a woman who's been with a lot of men in that town. And she says to the men, come see a man who told me all the things I ever did. That's concerning for the men of that town. Because of who she is. Could this be the Christ? And then they went out of the city and came to him. And here you have this just this beautiful picture of the love and concern of Jesus Christ. And you have this example of someone who is thirsty. And they're trying to satisfy that thirst. Through the things of this world, going to the wells of this world, going to relationships in this example. It's a thirst that only Jesus Christ can satisfy. He's the only one who can satisfy that thirst. And he invites us, if we're thirsty, to come to him and drink. And he will give us the satisfaction we're looking for. Now, back in in Revelation 21, we'll finish up here quickly. Verse 7. He says, he who overcomes shall inherit all things. Those who overcome will be in the new earth. They'll inherit heaven. They'll inherit eternal life. First John chapter five, verse five says, who is he who overcomes the world? But he who believes that Jesus is the son of God. How do you become an overcomer? By believing in Jesus. By believing in Jesus, he who believes that Jesus is the son of God and believes that he died on the cross for our sins and believe that his shed blood covers our sins and erases our sins. And we believe that he was buried. And on the third day, he was resurrected again. And he's alive today and he's seated at the right hand of the father. And he's coming back again as king of kings to establish his kingdom on the earth. He who believes that is an overcomer. And he who overcomes, it says, shall inherit all things. And look what it says. God says, and I will be his God and he shall be my son, my daughter. When you put your faith in Jesus Christ, all of your sins are forgiven and you become a child of God. And God adopts you into his family and you become his son, you become his daughter. And you receive all of the privileges of being his son or his daughter, his child. You have this inheritance waiting for you in heaven as his son. You're described in the Bible as the heir of God and joint heirs with Christ. And all all that is required is to put your faith in Jesus Christ and his death on the cross and his resurrection. And you become a son of God or a daughter of God. Look at verse 8. Verse 8 tells us, those who will not go to heaven. Verse 8. 
but the cowardly. And here the word cowardly, it's referring to those who uh, are afraid to turn their life to Jesus. They're afraid to give up control and make him Lord. Cowardly, the unbelieving, those that don't believe the gospel, the abominable, murderers, sexually immoral, Sorcerers, that's, that's the word pharmakia, it's referring to drug use. Idolaters and all liars shall have their part in the lake which burns with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. Here he is talking about, in verse 8, those who reject Jesus Christ through unbelief and they continue in their sin, they will not go to heaven. They will have their part in the lake of fire. So, and listen, give me your attention here. Verse 8 is not saying, if you've ever done one of these sins, (laughs) you can't go to heaven. It's talking about people that are continuing and living a lifestyle of sin. It's talking about people who have not repented of their sins and put their faith in Christ. They've rejected it. Now, all all of us here, when you look at this list, all of us here uh, have done Uh, some of the things in this list, some of us have done many of the things uh, in this list. What does the Bible say? We all sin. We all fall short. We're all guilty before God. The question is, what do you do with your sin? And what do you do with your guilt before God? The good news is the blood of Jesus Christ takes away all of the sins in this list and any other sin. That's not in this list. The only sin that the blood of Jesus Christ does not remove is the sin of unbelief. Those that just reject his offer of salvation, God can't do anything for you then. But any other sin, whatever sin you may have done or may be involved in now, it doesn't matter. The blood of Jesus Christ can take it away and can erase it. In 1 Corinthians chapter 6, there's another list like this given. It's a much more extensive list. At the end of that, it says, uh, and, and these will not inherit the kingdom of God. These people aren't going to heaven that are living this kind of lifestyle. But then it says, after that list in 1 Corinthians 6, it says, and some of you were once like that. And some of you were once like that, but you were cleansed. You were made holy. You were made right with God by calling on the name of Jesus Christ. So you can look at that list in 1 Corinthians 6. And you can look at this list here in verse 8. And some of us were once like that. That list once described us in the past and how we used to live. But we were cleansed. We were made holy. We were made right with God. How? By calling on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And when you call on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, he cleanses you of all of your sin, no matter what it is or how long you've been doing it or how deep you're in it. He'll cleanse you of all your sin and he'll make you holy in God's sight. And he'll reconcile you to God. He'll make you right with God so that you can go to the new earth, heaven. You don't want to miss heaven. It's going to be amazing. It's going to be mind-blowing. You don't want to miss it. How do you get there? By calling on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. He asked me how I know and I say, 
You've been listening to Ring of Truth with Pastor Dan Sexton. If you'd like to hear this message in the book of Revelation again, feel free to find it at calvaryec.com. Simply look under the media tab. There are a variety of messages from this series and other series as well. As you browse our website, you'll get a better understanding of the church that supports this radio ministry, Calvary Chapel, Ellicott City in Columbia, Maryland. In fact, If you're in the area and would like to hear more of Pastor Dan's teachings in person, come join us this weekend. Our website has all the information you need as far as directions to our location and service times. We'd be so happy to connect with you and hear what you've learned from listening to Ring of Truth. If you'd rather get some information over the phone, we can do that too. Our number is 410-491-4592. That number, once again, is 410-491-4592. Please let us know how we can be praying for you as you listen to these messages from the book of Revelation. Pastor Dan will continue teaching through the book of Revelation next time, so don't miss a single edition as he explores this fascinating final book of the Bible. We're so glad you took the time to tune in to today's message, and we hope you'll continue to be a part of our listening audience. We'll catch you next time, right here on Ring of Truth. I see the signs and I recognize the hands that craft and what I know because I know His voice, and it only takes Reach to